Hey guys, it's Todd and welcome back for episode three of the Todd V Show. Thank you guys again so much for the incredible reception for the first two episodes. Um, if you haven't checked them out, check them out. Um, you can go at, at toddvdating.com or we're on most of the major podcast sites now. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Google, we're on Stitcher. I, th- I think that's it. But anyway, um, find it. They're good. Um, check them out. And thank you guys for the reception on those. Uh, a lot of the stuff they're going to be addressing actually does come from your questions. So if you want your question answered, you have to ask it. And the way to ask it is at questions at toddvdating.com. So shoot your questions over there and you might hear yours or see yours on the next podcast. Um, if you can, um, I really like recorded questions. So if you if you write the question, that's fine. And the, actually, the two questions we're going to address today are actually um, questions that that were written in. But if you have a recorded question, it's even better. I think it just like brings the whole thing to life. So um, I love I love your questions. Want to help out, and I want to make it as relevant as I can for what you guys are really what you care about, what's on your mind, and what's going to be most helpful for you. So it, it all starts with you, and it starts with your questions. So I appreciate the feedback. For today's show in particular, we got a couple really interesting questions that address the topic um, of what is value with respect to a girl. Not just what is being a high value guy, which is part of it, but also what is going on in terms of the girl's perception of your value. Because the thing is that value really does have two components. It has the component of having value, has the component of conveying value. And guys fall into both problems, right? So a lot of guys have tons of value, don't know how to convey it, no one in the world can see they have value. Other guys have these methods of conveying value, but fundamentally they're hollow or they're not living up to the value that they are conveying. And so getting that sort of dichotomy between what is the value you have and what are you conveying is a huge part of game and maybe even a central concept in all of game and even all of human relations. So um, that's what I want to address today. Um, But without too much further ado, I want to get into the specific questions so you can see what I mean. So the first question we have, and it's a bit of a long one, so bear with me, but I think it's a good one. You say that disqualifying teasing and nagging done in a lighthearted way is meant to get the girl chasing you for validation. But if you say you and I are not going to get along in a playful way, won't you just come off as a low value guy who has learned some cheesy lines and not a genuine high value guy? Why would the girl chase you when she knows that you're not serious? Isn't the simple fact that you're flirting and trying hard with your cheesy lines value giving? Please throw some light on this. Okay. So there's a really interesting question. It does hit on some key ideas in game, but there are also some interesting assumptions in all of this um, that I, I think I'd like to you know kind of take apart a little bit. Um, so I want to start with the, the middle part first. Um, he says, uh, but if you say this this line um, in a play, in a playful way, don't you just come off as a low value guy who's learned some cheesy lines and not a genuine high value guy. So that's a really interesting way of looking at game and. Um, it's it's this idea that you're looking at game. The, the person asking this question is looking at game from as though it's it's a world of perfect information, right? As though she can kind of look inside your head and read your intentions and know why you're doing what it is you're doing. When people are interacting socially, when people are are in, in a conversation, um, they can only go off of what you're giving them, and they have to kind of assume the most obvious you know, the most obvious facts are in play. So if someone was hyper suspicious, if someone just assumed that every single interaction they have with a human being, that person is trying to trick them and manipulate them and trying to get one over on them, then that person 
might in a very highly suspicious way be like, wait, he said something nice to me. He must want something. Or um, he uh, contradicted me. He must be trying to one-up me for value. Or he teased me. So rather than it being a, a fun thing that he's trying to do and he's just like being playful, he must have some kind of ulterior motive of messing with my self-esteem. That's not how normal people go through the world because you can't. You can't go through the world questioning everybody's motives and intentions and agenda for every single thing they do at all times. Most of the time, you need to just take things off face, at face value. You need to be cueing in on the general vibe and general kind of tone you're getting from the conversation. So yes, it is possible that if someone, if, if a girl had studied game to the extent that she knows what common lines that guys using game are, and she's read the specific line that you're saying, and she notices you said it and is like, oh, that's game. He must be trying to do game on me. That would, by its nature, be low value. However, that would actually be low value um, or come off as low value and hurt you in, in game regardless of your delivery. That would hurt you whether you're being um, you know, playful or serious or hesitant or, or whatever it is because fundamentally, it's almost like you, you've been like caught with your hand in the cookie jar in that case, right? You, you, were, you were caught using this very specific line that has a very specific purpose and the person happens to have this very esoteric bit of knowledge that leads her to, to draw that conclusion. Okay. But the whole idea of game and the whole idea of good game is that for the other person's perspective, it's not some cheesy line. It's not like, oh, he said a cheesy line to me. It's like, no, he said this thing to me, right? By, by the very nature of game, any game that is recognized as game, that is recognized as a line is bad game. And it is not very good functional game, all right? So this idea of like, constantly being like worried about being caught delivering a line or constantly worried about being being caught gaming in general is a major problem and it's actually a major problem that I see guys have in a lot of other instances um, another manifestation of this is let's say that you're talking to a girl and some guy comes into the conversation not necessarily her boyfriend not necessarily like her father or anything like that just some guy comes in who she happens to have been hanging out with and a lot of guys will immediately shut down because they go into this mode of oh I cannot be caught doing game right what you have to understand about game is that game comes from normal interaction. Game is essentially you having an interaction the way a high value guy would, right? So you're either being that high value, high value guy and having that interaction, or you're simulating the behaviors of that high value guy. Game is not some, some concocted thing that was like, you know, made up in a, in a laboratory somewhere and then like introduced into the wild. It basically is backwards engineered from what works in the real world and what is common in the real world and what you see in the real world. Okay. So doing game essentially is having high value conversation. And that's something that guys who have never learned game, who just happen to be a high value in a situation do automatically. All right, so I want you to really understand that. Understand that you're not in this this weird world where everybody is trying to catch you doing game and everybody knows every line you know and everybody um, assumes that everything you're doing has an agenda, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That is not the case. That is not the world that we live in. And also, if your game is being identified as game or regardless of how it's being delivered, that's going to be problematic. So I, I want to kind of address all that in terms of game and lines and delivery and that kind of stuff. I'll get in a second to um, the, the sort of value dynamics of what you're trying to convey or not trying to convey, but I, I wanted to kind of clear that up um, first and foremost. Second part of this question I want to clear up 
Um, he says, you say that disqualifying teasing and nagging done in a lighthearted way is meant to get the girl chasing you for validation. Um, well, that is one thing that definitely can happen, right? Disqualifying a girl can get her to chase your validation. Um, nagging certainly um, can do that. Nagging, you have to be very careful with because um, nagging should never be negative. You, should, you really insulting girls is not a good way to to go about gaming for the most part. Um, but to the extent that that nag type techniques can work, um, that's part of what they do. Um, and then teasing in particular is definitely not just to get the girl chasing you for validation. Um, these are things that, that have a much deeper and broader scope. Um, for example, um, people tease in a lot of situations where they're not trying to get someone to chase for validation. People tease their family members, right? If I'm hanging out with um, like my, 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 my father, my mother, my little sister, like I will tease them. I will give them a hard time about various things here and there. Or I have friends who, you know, like I have no intention of, of having sex with. I have no intention of doing anything other than just hang out and have a good time with. And we tease because that teasing is part of having a good time. That teasing is part of how people act when they are comfortable with someone. That is, That teasing is part of how people act when they're relaxed and expressing themselves. And so, yes, there is this this side effect um, or this this ancillary benefit you could call it um, with certain types of teasing and certain types of moves you're using game which are that they will get someone to chase you um, but the the primary thing you're doing with teasing um, is to have a good time have fun and make the interaction better for everybody right and then yes there are some things you can do that will set a particular frame um, and that's the, the the frame control type teases do have that as the nature but if those are the only types of things you do if the only types of things you do that are that are that are um, that are teasing or that are, are non-serious, obvious conversation are frame control uh, based or are are sort of like um, disqualifying and push away based. You're just going to come across as an asshole. You're going to come across as a manipulative person um, who's not very fun. You might even succeed in doing frame control, but even even to the extent that you frame control someone, they're going to be like annoyed and upset and feel like um, maybe even offended uh, by the frame control itself. So. The major, one of the major things that teasing is meant to do is it is meant to um, make the interaction fun. It's meant to give you a way to express ideas without them being taken too seriously, right? And so, um, yes, this idea of disqualifying, teasing, teasing nagging, um, that, that there is this, this value dynamic at play. Yes, that exists, but that's not the main reason for flirting. And you certainly should be flirting a lot more than solely for that purpose. Okay, um, so those are things I just wanted to point out as assumptions in the question. But the really interesting part of the question to me is this third part. And this is what I really want to address because this is what I find fascinating. All right, um, and this is where I'm going to focus most of the attention, which is this. Why would the girl chase you when she knows that you're not serious? Isn't the simple fact that you're flirting and trying hard with your cheesy lines value giving? Please throw some light on this. Again, we address the idea of whether they're cheesy lines or not and how she's perceiving them. But this this core idea of why would she chase you if you're not being serious? Um, and this really gets to the heart of, of what is value in game and what is value conveyance. Because every single time you open your mouth, you're saying a lot of things about yourself, right? The words you use are displaying your, your attitude about a situation, your frame of the situation. The words you use are displaying your education level and who you are and where you came from. The tone that you use, whether you're being flirtatious or serious, is conveying how relaxed you are, how familiar you feel with someone, how how um, 
how much you care or don't care about them, et cetera, et cetera. So there's all these things being conveyed in any given moment. And what the person asking this question is is missing uh, as a as a starter is that the very fact that you can be non-serious, the very fact that you can be playful and fool around already by its nature is a, a form of high value behavior, especially in a context where the girl is very high value herself and is used to guys getting nervous around her and not being able to be normal around her. Um, and especially in a situation where the guy is likely to want something, right? Whether this be in a male female um, interaction or in a business interaction, the ability to be lighthearted conveys that you've been in these kind of situations before, that you're comfortable, that you have some level of confidence, um, all those kind of things, which are really high value behaviors. And the reason why many social behaviors are high value is because of a concept called implied social proof. Okay. Um, and I want to unpack that just a little bit. So the idea of social proof is the idea that you have social alliances. You have people that have your back. You have people that like you, people that have responded well to you. And the reason social proof is so powerful is that when you meet a stranger in particular, but it works with, with people you know well and over time as well, but especially with a stranger, they don't know everything about you. So they're cueing in to small clues in your behavior and small clues in the behavior of others to see who you are. Um, and it's very easy to lie with your words it's a lot harder to lie with your actions and it's extremely hard to lie with the words and actions of others. So if I say to you, I'm amazing, you're probably not going to really believe me. You're just going to think I'm bragging and I'm just some, some average guy and maybe even I'm try hard. You might, I might even think I'm low value because I'm trying too hard. So that's if I just said I'm amazing. If I do something relatively impressive, um, you'll probably trust that a lot more, a lot more than me saying it. However, you might assume that, oh, he just planned this impressive thing to impress me, or this is just this one particular little gimmicky skill he has. So you might not be fully won over by it, but you know, you're gonna you're gonna believe the, the actions a lot more than you believe the words. That said, if someone outside of me comes and tells you how amazing I am, and especially if they don't appear to particularly like be my friend or have a particular agenda for it, they're just like a random random acquaintance or someone that that I didn't I didn't tell them to say that. They did it of their own volition you're going to believe that a lot more strongly than than if I had just said something, right? So their words are a lot stronger than my words and possibly their words are even stronger than my actions. And then the actions of others speak even more loudly. So for example, if um, I show up at a party and a bunch of people chose to come with me, the action of them coming says that I potentially have friends. The actions, uh, maybe in a, um, a tribal or leadership setting, the option, uh, actions of, of people following my lead, going along with um, when I give um, orders or even requests, that's you know them acting in a way that's going to be perceived much more strongly than me acting because I don't, in theory, I don't have direct control over them. So it's, it's perceived as more honest. It's perceived as more honest when it's not coming from the person who, who stands to gain by the action itself. So this is the idea of, of um, social proof. Um, the other idea of, of social proof in terms of a, a social interaction is that if people seem to have good social interactions with you, there's a higher percentage or higher likelihood that the person you're now talking to and now meeting will have good social interactions with you. Um, and so it's, it's a way that with limited amount of information, they can infer a lot more information, right? So social proof, the way other people are responding to you is a very good indicator of who you actually are early in an interaction. It's something that, that people are trained from basically from a very young age to cue very strongly into. 
Now, implied social proof is how you can have social proof when there's no one else around. Because obviously when you have friends around, colleagues around, allies around, people you know around, you can have real social proof. Or if, if you're famous and are Googleable and, and those kind of things, that's a form of social proof as well. But if someone's just meeting you without any of those things, how can you still have social proof? Well, you can have implied social proof. And that is when your actions and your behaviors say what's likely about your past. So if you're acting with confidence, that is saying that in the past, when you've acted confidently, you've received a good response to it. Why is it saying that? Because if throughout your entire life, every time you did something confident, you received a negative response and people hated you for it, you'd probably stop acting confidently. And so for that reason, um, you know, the, 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 the ability to maintain confidence says that you've had that positive, intera- uh, positive reaction in the past. Even more so, the fact that you're confident and, and um, in the past, if you had been overly confident, out of place, people probably would have like gotten angry at you, maybe like punched you in the face. So the fact that you're not afraid to be confident also is an implication of social proof, right? So um, your actions say things about your past and that is your implied social proof. So let's say you're now in a situation where you're talking to a very hot girl or you're talking to a very rich and powerful man or you're talking to someone who has a lot of potential social value. In that context, if you can be relaxed and have fun and flirtatious and those kind of things, that already is a sign that you're a high value guy. It's a sign of implied social proof. It's a sign that you've you've had good things go go your way and things things have worked out for you in the past. Um, so that in and of itself already is a form of value. Next, this idea of again the cheesy line saying you and I would not get along, even in a playful way. Who has the balls? Who has the balls to say to uh, like for example like a potential job? Say you're you're going in for an interview for your dream job. Who has the balls to say to your potential dream job guy, you know what, I'm not sure if this is you know, the right job for me, I might need to find out a little bit more about the company. Who has the balls to do that? Only someone who has a lot of job options. And so that's a sign of value. Who has the balls with like the hottest girl he's met in like two weeks to be like, hey, listen, you're cute, but um, you know, really, I don't know you. I hope you're not like some kind of, you know, I hope you're not crazy, right? The fact that you're even playfully willing to say that, even willing to hint at the idea of being willing to walk away or willing to like do something that could possibly offend or possibly ruin um, this social opportunity, that's already incredibly high value. And to an extent, um, the fact that you can be lighthearted about it is actually quite powerful too. Now, there is this, this dichotomy um, in game of what I call like kind of soft game lines and hard game lines. And it is true that um, delivering um, you and I would not get along in a very like absolutely it's not going to matter way does have a stronger or a, a bigger emotional impact than delivering in a lighthearted way, i.e. the potential devalidation factor, the potential like the other person um, feeling a social gap and wanting to chase it and get their get their um, their social approval back is stronger when the line is delivered more harshly. So that is true. On the other hand, when the line is delivered more harshly, um, it is um, it's it's a it's a bigger event, and it, it actually makes it more clear that that game is happening. It makes the the interaction itself a little more clunky and less smooth. Um, different things like that. It can also make you seem a little bit less in control and a little bit less less calibrated, um, because for you to do something that is 
flat out rude or flat out like triggering of a big emotion, um, that in and itself can indicate that you, you care very much about the other person's response to it. Right. So it goes both ways in terms of whether a, um, a strong gesture or like a, a harsh gesture is stronger or, or less strong than a lighthearted gesture in general, the strongest gesture you can have is the gesture that shows that you're good natured, but don't care. Right. That's the gesture of the truly high value person. And that is actually um, more of a flirtatious gesture than a hard or harsh gesture. So a key idea I want to get across about this, this whole sort of realm of what is value is that every single technique you can have in game, every single line you can say, every single um, social tool that we have, it's all based on what would happen if you were your ideal guy for that situation, right? So if you're trying to be abundant in a business situation, every single action you take that is congruent with what an abundant person would do is going to work. Every single interaction you take that's not congruent with that is probably not going to work. And it matters less that you say a particular line that you learned from some business guru than that your overall manner is reflective of that true high value person. And the key idea of, of conveying value in game is that it all comes from organic value in nature. It comes from what a high value guy normally would do. And high value guys don't have to be harsh for the sake of being harsh. High value guys tend to be playful and have fun. And the reason high value guys tend to be playful and have fun is because they can, because they're afforded the ability to be playful and have fun, right? In, in an evolutionary environment, most organisms are under massive stress and trying to survive from moment to moment. Someone who is, is surviving and thriving has the ability to stop and enjoy life has the ability to turn down an opportunity because there's a better opportunity available. Someone who's just like struggling to survive has to take every single opportunity they can get. Um, so the idea of playfulness and non-neediness is in and of itself a very attractive quality on top of anything and everything you're going to say. Second question I want to address today with respect to sort of value and what it is has to do with value in a relationship. And here it is. So a uh, questioner says, uh, I know once you're in a relationship, you lose some of your power compared to when you have a no strings attached thing going on. The courtship period requires you to connect with your woman, explore her wants and needs and be there for her when she needs it. How do you still maintain your power while doing all this? I think this is a huge question uh, that a lot of guys ask, um, something that a lot of guys uh, have, have as an issue. And the funny thing is that this question is very much an I learned game kind of question. Because most guys um, would not take that first assumption at all. And I actually disagree with the first assumption too. The first assumption being, I know once you're in a relationship, you lose some of your power compared to when you have a no strings attached thing going on. I disagree with that. Now, it is possible that if you wanted to have a no strings attached thing and the girl specifically wanted to be monogamous and then she convinced you or coerced you to be monogamous in a situation where you're not, there definitely would be a correlation between her taking, you know, taking control of the relationship and, and defining a relationship you don't want 
and a relationship in which she has a lot of power, um, either because by you giving in, you've given her some power, or because in order for her to get you to give in, she had to have some power in the first place. So that is all true. So if you're coming from the frame that you wanted to have a no-strings-attached relationship and you were forced into being monogamous because she ultimatumed you or that's the only way you could keep her, in that context, yes, there is definitely a loss of power there or a loss of potential value there. But the funny thing here is for most people, most people view it that the longer that two people have been together, the stronger that bond is and therefore the more value and power they both have to each other. And so the interesting assumption here is that power and value in a relationship is a unilateral thing. That you having more value to someone means they have less value to you and vice versa. It's not that you becoming more important to someone else makes them less important to you. It's not that them becoming more important to you makes you less important to them. In fact, in a good, healthy relationship, both should increase at the same time and and similarly, right? You're both getting more connected. You're both getting more invested. And that's the part I think a lot of guys lose track of, right? As you start to quote unquote, fall in love with a girl or build a deeper connection for a girl, you don't want to walk away. You don't want to lose this girl who you've developed emotions for or you feel a bond for. But what guys lose sight of is the fact that she's going through that exact same process as you are. When she knew you for a day, there wasn't a lot of investment and commitment simply because there wasn't a lot of knowledge of you to invest and commit to. There wasn't a lot of shared experience. There wasn't a lot of shared story that you guys had created together. Um, And one thing that happens in in human beings, there's what's called the sunk cost effect. The way the sunk cost effect works is you value that which you've put time and effort into or money into um, more so. So for example, let's say that you had, um, let's say you had a car. Right. And it's, it's like, um, you know, a, a kind of a, you know, not, not the greatest car and, and it requires a bunch of repairs. You might just be like, oh, you know what? It's not really worth it. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, we'll just, I'll just get a new car. On the other hand, let's say you'd had this car and there was a little problem with it and you put some time and effort and you fixed it. And then there's another little problem. You put some time and effort and you fixed it. And suddenly you've put hours and hours or days and days into fixing this car. And you've put thousands of dollars into fixing this car and you put all this time and effort. And then some other problem comes up. You could be in the same exact situation where the smartest thing to do is probably just, you know, it's not worth fixing anymore. I should just get a new car. But because you put all this time and energy and money into fixing it up to this point, you don't want to throw away that time and energy you've already invested. And so you may fix it some more to justify the previous investment. And that's the sunk cost effect. Same thing happens in relationships. If you have known someone for a long time, you've put a lot of time and energy and effort into them. You've told all your friends about them. You've had fights with them and made up with them. Um, You've made sacrifices for them. All these things make you not want to lose them even more, right? And so while what's happening to the guy is he's having a sunk cost effect um, towards the girl. And hopefully, in theory, they're getting to know each other better and the relationship's actually becoming richer and better as well. Um, But this sunk cost effect is, is a very big part of it. Uh, and realize she is feeling all those same things too. She's more connected to you than ever. She knows you better than ever. She has more investment with you than ever. And her sunk cost, that the fear of losing you is greater. Put it this way, if she's had six months of a relationship with you, to get to that same point with, with someone else, that would cost her six months of her life. So if she breaks up with you, she literally feels like she just wasted six months of her life that she's never gonna get back. That's a pretty strong reason to stay together. And so um, while guys will 
sometimes get more needy for girls. They get more connected. And to an extent, you maybe should because you you do have some some of the sunk cost. Like the sunk cost thing is not legitimate, but some of the investment is legitimate. It, it, it is something that's really built and it is something that is a genuine growth of you and that other person together. And so to the extent that's the case, you should be more willing to work on the relationship and less willing to just walk away over a little thing. But again, understand that it's the exact same for her, right? And so when you are getting more intimate and when you do have a longer um, relationship, um, she's feeling all the same things. She has that sunk cost effect. She has the extra connection, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the other reason that guys will lose their power during a relationship doesn't have anything to do with whether it was no strings attached or whether it's a serious relationship, though. It has to do with how they start behaving in the relationship. See, a lot of guys, again, guys who learn game in particular, their natural way of behaving, maybe in life, but certainly around women, is a low value behavior, right? And that's probably why they got into game in the first place and why they weren't getting girls in the first place is because they were not doing the high value behaviors that would attract women. Then they learn to adopt these high value behaviors early on in interaction. Specifically, they learn them maybe through techniques and quote unquote cheesy lines um, to go back to the original questioner's question, right? So they learn these techniques um, to assert some level of, of, of value in the relationship to be a high value guy. Um, but then once they get into a relationship, they get comfortable and they fall back into the patterns of behavior that they had for their whole life prior to getting into the relationship, which were those low value behaviors. And really that's not a very fair or nice thing to do to the girl, right? You got into this relationship by being a high value guy. You gave her this promise that she's getting into a relationship with a high value guy. And then when you suddenly get lazy and backslide into old habits of being a low value guy, you are actually cheating her out of the relationship you promised her. Right? And so a lot of guys, the reason they lose value within a relationship isn't because they went from no strings attached to monogamous or no strings to attach to something more serious and connected. It's because they got too comfortable or became complacent that the relationship would just take care of itself and they stopped being the guy that got them into that relationship in the first place. And so that is another reason why you will see this loss of value later on in a relationship. But that should not be the case. If you stay even, you know, 70 or 80% as attractive as you were when you first met the girl later on in the relationship, the fact that you have the sunk cost effect working in your favor, the fact that you have more connection, more shared experience, more shared story and narrative with that girl, that will carry the balance. And so it is a lot easier to maintain a relationship than to get it, than to create a new one. You have to do a lot less. You don't have to be as high value to stay in a relationship as you had to be to get into the relationship, but you do have to stay some fraction as high value as you did in the first place, right? You can't just completely switch gears and become a completely low value guy and break the promise you made to her by conveying yourself as a high value guy when you met her, right? And um, in a in a relationship, um, this actually go, goes to game as well, in a relationship, there are different things that are of value than, um, than what would be in the initial interaction. Or more specifically, the in initial interaction is about conveying a value. The relationship is about delivering value. All right, so we talked about, you know, implied social proof and Im Im implied character from like the girls reading into a few of your actions and um, she's extrapolating a lot of your personality from there. And early on in the interaction, that's what the girl has to go off of because she doesn't have a very big sample of your personality. Later on in the interaction, when the girl has a six month sample of your personality, some little indicator in your behavior in the first five minutes doesn't mean anything 
because she's no longer looking at indicators of your personality. She's looking at the experience of your personality over an extended period of time, right? So there's the promise and then there's the truth. Um, and if you, if you work on the promise without working on the truth, you work on, you know, how to, how to interview as opposed to how to do the job, you're eventually going to be a bad employee. If you work on how to get into the relationship, how to seduce exclusively and not on how to please and um, contribute and be a good boyfriend, um, then you're going to end up in, in relationships where you will have this, this loss of value later on because you have stopped offering value or because you indicated a value that you were quite frankly incapable or didn't know how to offer. And so um, a lot of being in a relationship does start to be about being what is a high value guy. And very quickly, um, what is a high value guy? Well, there are a lot of different contextual things for it. Value is very relative and, and value is, 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 is social, right? So um, one girl will find a, a rich capitalistic guy highly valuable, whereas another girl might roll her eyes at that and might find the, the guy who has lots of friends and good social connections very valuable, right? So there are different things. But in general, competence, being good at what you do and being capable at what you do is almost universally a high value trait, confidence, um, be believing in yourself and thinking you can succeed is going to be, um, a very high value trait. Um, and having really good social interactions, social connections, having alliances and people that will do things for you and people respond well to you are, are very strong, like consistent high value traits across just about anyone. Um, and then I would say also some level of like aspiration and self-esteem is usually a high value trait as well. So those are those are some high value traits that um, that you should have, that you should one convey early on in an interaction, and that you should actually deliver on later on in the interaction. And then another high value trait, um, and this is a high value trait more for delivery than for conveyance, is the high value trait of giving the other person in a relationship a good experience. And this really brings the whole thing full circle because um, what are we talking about when we're talking about being playful and fun in the in the first question? We're talking about giving a good experience. We're talking about having fun and having a genuinely good interaction with someone as opposed to just trying to use techniques to manipulate them. When we talk about getting into a relationship and the difference between you know relationship versus a cold approach situation, what are we talking about? We're talking about actually delivering the value that you may be promised or implied on that initial interaction. All right, so um, I want to really um, you know speak to that and speak to the fact that there are these there is an element of game that is a little gimmicky um, because we are simulating the behaviors of a high value guy. And the best way to simulate them is to actually be that high value guy. It is possible to an extent to fake them. It is possible to an extent, not very well. It'd be better if you actually had them. You would fake them better if you had them because you wouldn't be faking them, right? You'd, you'd convey them better if they're real than if they're fake. Um, but even if you do or did learn to fake them well, that's still not the best approach because fundamentally, if you want to have good and lasting relationships and relationships that can build and grow and take you somewhere in life, at some point you're going to have to actually deliver that value that you've promised. And that's why it's so, so, so important to not just work on how you're conveying yourself, but how you actually deliver in a relationship in the end of the day. And, and that's where working on yourself um, and on also like caring about the relationship and working on the relationship really can become super, super valuable. Um, so with that said, I hope you guys appreciated this look into sort of 
what is and is not value within relationship, what is and is not value between um, two human beings, and also what are the attractive and valuable traits that you should be A, conveying, and then B, actually having in order to have good, positive relationships. And by the way, I do want to point out, I've talked a lot about romantic relationships here, but the same general ideas apply to business relationships and friend relationships and any of those other relationships you you will want want to have. Um, Any relationship you're ever going to be in on a certain level is an exchange of value. Right? There's there's pleasantries and there's enjoying someone's company and there's all these other things. But fundamentally, if you don't deliver value to someone's life on some level, or worse yet, if you're taking value from someone's life, um, it's going to be hard to make up for that that tangible lack with pure social skills. Right? On on some level, you need to be giving legitimate value offers in in how you conduct your business and how you live your life. Um, so again, I hope that's informative for you guys. I hope you'd enjoyed it. Um, I appreciate the questions. I will reiterate one more time. If you want your questions answered, send them over to questions at toddvdating.com. I would love to hear more from you guys. Specifically, um, I love um, oral questions because, again, I, I just think it, it just it sounds better. I don't I don't like hearing my own voice reading them as much as I hear like hearing your voice reading them, and really interacting and engaging with you guys. But whatever questions you have, I love to get them. Please keep sending them and please keep tuning in. I hope you're enjoying it each and every time. Take care.